what an opportunity to come together and grow in the Word of God. Uh, I enjoy sharing the Word of God and speaking from my heart, and I will endeavor to do that tonight. How many of you, just, uh, just as a thought, how many of you have only been here in Victory Life less than a year? Less than a year. Wow, okay. Anybody up in the balcony? Anybody less than a year? A few of you up there? Good to have you. That's awesome. How many less than six months? Less than, okay. Okay. It's so good to see you. I'm Pastor Stan, one of the pastors here. This is my lovely wife, Kathy, over here, and we're glad to be a part of what's going on in Victor Life. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to go to Romans, the eighth chapter. Now, that's where we'll begin. But before we begin there, you know, Pastor Austin shared a thought with us this morning in Staff Huddle. And he, he, he spoke from a sports example that, you know, I, I don't know much about basketball. I know they bounce the ball, they shoot it through the hoop. But I seem like the guys are on offense and defense of both. You know, they're just like, okay, that's not my game. I, I love defense. I was a football. I would eat, sleep, and drink football in school and just loved it, had a passion for it, played on a, an amazing team, championship team, and and uh, I, I love the defense. A lot of guys were offense. I loved. I played offense, you know, earlier in high school. But defense, anywhere you could deliver some pain, that was me. <laughs> Kickoff, punt, defense. You know, I, I enjoyed that. And you, you know, there's also this aspect of uh, offense mindset on the defensive squad. You know, one of the things he was sharing this morning is that you want to make sure, and I think this word is for somebody, the reason I'm bringing it up, is that you want to continually, you want to play not just to keep from losing, but you play to win. And he's using it from example, you get far ahead, then you just kind of coast and you, you know, you, you just, you're just going along to keep from losing, you know, but you need to be playing to win consistently and constantly with that mindset of I'm going to win. And even with a, if you, if you, in football now, if you're that way, you're going to hamstring your offensive team. Defense is always going to be, I'm going to hammer those guys. When they, when they get the ball in their hands, they put their life in their own hands. And you have that mindset. But I, I look at that, if you're just playing not to win, you hamstring your offense. And we need, some of you, you need to not let the enemy put you on your heels. You need to still be taking it to the enemy. You need to be playing offensively in your spiritual walk, in your Christian walk. And, and taking it to the devil to win, right? And we never coast in our spiritual life, never. So, Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts tonight, inspire and quicken our minds with understanding and, and knowledge and wisdom tonight. Holy Spirit, I believe for hearing hearts tonight to hear what you would share with each and every one of us individually, but also corporately. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would allow me to speak out of the abundance and passion of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So uh, this is going to be an exciting year of people that are sharing the Word on Wednesday nights and Sundays. It's just looking forward to a lot of people being discipled through the Word of God. You're in a, a great church that teaches and trains disciples teaches the Word of God and preaches, sometimes preaching. I love a little good of preaching. Oh, come on now. And get my blood boiling and fired up. But, you know, you're in a great church, and I'm looking forward to growing this year. I'm looking to grow. I'm looking to progress. You know, and, you know, this is the first Wednesday. I guess it's the first Wednesday of the year. And so, you know, we've 
Pastor Jacob was talking about New Year's resolutions and how so many of us make them two weeks later, they're gone and, you know, that sort of thing. But it is a time of year that we look to the future. And we look, it's a good thing to look to the future. And, and how many, I mean, don't you want to change and improve? Don't you want every day to be better than yesterday? Um, you know, don't you want to be more successful at what you do? I think about all those things. Yeah, I really want to do that. Don't you want to have a year where you don't make mistakes, or at least not as many as you did last year? <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of you that married, you, cautiously, how many of you don't want to get into arguments? Okay, a little bit, a little bit quieter. Just, I was just kind of looking for some hands, you know, and how many of you had the nerves of, yeah, man, we need to quit arguing. Uh, and it's okay to look to the future. It's okay to have a future full of hope and desire and passion. And I was reading, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I believe it's where, you know, the Lord has, he has a vision for us as well. He has passion for us as well. He, his desire toward us is good, not evil. We have a future of hope. And, and faith, and, and the Lord, that's even at, at no matter what age group you're in, the Lord still desires for you to grow. He still desires for you to, to look to the future. And you know, these New Year's resolutions that we make, they're okay. It's okay to make a resolution for tomorrow. It's, the problem is, is getting there from here to there, right? But it's okay to, to make these resolutions because you're wanting to set yourself up for success. You want to change. Even sometimes the foundation you find yourself standing on might seem a little shaky, and you want to establish a stronger foundation for yourself. Things as simple as that. And I, I believe everything and everyone has a foundation. Now, the question is, what kind of foundation? You know, sometimes they're not very good. You know, recently I, we built a shop at our home, small shop, I wanted one of those 60 by 60 shops. We had to go down for a small one. So, and I noticed, you know, after the guys came in, they laid the cement and built the shop and all that thing that, the, that started eroding, the sand started eroding away from the foundation because it was up a little high. And so I got the same kind of dirt. I had them bring in the dirt. I'm going to build a berm. I'm going to put these, this, the grass, the sod, and put all that. Boy, I, I even packed it. I bought me one of these little packing things. And you get out there and you just beat it half to death, you know, and... I thought, boy, that looks good. That same kind of dirt that was under the concrete foundation. And I packed it. I built my little berm. Man, I put that grass on there. It is a lot of stinking work, let me tell you. But it looked good until the next rain came. It's like, that stuff washed out right under my grass sod. It's just washed right out from under it. And all that sod went like this. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of scary because that's the same stuff that's under my cement, you know. But the importance of having a good foundation, that, that spoke to me. You know, I'm going to have to go back. I had to go back and redo all of that. And so I believe that everybody has a foundation. It's just whether or not it's good or it's, it's bad. And it can be a bad foundation. Or not. And you need to look to the future. Listen, I want, to read a, I want to read a quote. We're talking about future. This is a guy that was born back in May 26, 1907. His name was Marion Robert Morrison. And here's, here's what he said. He said, tomorrow is the most important thing in life. It comes into us at midnight very clean. It's perfect when it arrives, and it puts itself in our hands. It hopes we've learned something from yesterday. And how many of you recognize that name and who that was? 
Some of you know it's John Wayne. Whoop, whoop. Okay, now you know who it was. But we need to be looking to the future, not just today. So many of us were just focused on today. But you know what? If we're just focused on today, today becomes yesterday. And, and if you don't focus on tomorrow, some sort of change, because tomorrow will be today. And then it'll soon be yesterday and be just like all the other yesterdays. So we need to be looking to the future and looking to establishing foundations that are good, good for our lives. Because all the structures of our lives are built on some sort of foundation. And if you notice that your structure has been a little bit shaky, maybe you need to look at your foundation and what you have built your life on. That's important. And so, you know, I have people all the time that, that come to me with these thought patterns. You know, it just seems like in the game of life, I can't get around the basis. Or I can't get across the goal line. You know, it just seems like I'm sitting here struggling. Now, I want to take you to Romans 8, chapter, verse 28. And listen, if you've been having some trouble progressing in your life, and I know that, that I looked at this uh, a little bit different at one time as well. You know, I believe that the Word of God is perfect. I believe that it's truth and it's perfect. But my understanding of it is not. And so, so I read times, certain times through Scripture, and I think, man, that just didn't make sense to me. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things work together to good, for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. How many of you have heard that? Okay. And the other half of you, that's a new Scripture. The Scripture says, <laughs> for, all things, for all things work to the good, together for good, to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. But you know, there was a time in my life, I thought, wait, wait, wait a minute, this just don't look so good. Have you ever been honest with God like that? When God just says right here in your word that I, I, I love you. I love you, Lord. And I, I feel like I'm called for a purpose. But boy, this don't look so good. Y'all ever felt like that? You, don't be afraid. The Lord's not going to slap you down just because you, you know, you're telling what you felt. like. There's things that say, Lord, that, ain't, that don't look so good because I need some understanding because that doesn't make sense to me. And that's when the Lord took me over to some of the things that we're going to cover tonight in, in the book of Peter, in 2 Peter. And I've realized that, you know, sometimes our thinking needs to be tweaked or adjusted with an understanding and recalibrated at times. Even Pastor Jacob used that term recently that, you know, sometimes we just need to recalibrate our thinking. But man, we need to grow in understanding. And I have discovered that, you know, in this process of being discipled, it's a progressive learning process. It's building one truth upon another. It's, um, there are prerequisites to certain levels of understanding in our life, right? I mean, how many of you realize you, before you got into your fractions and your multiplication tables and all that, you had to realize the simplicity of even one plus one equals two before you could even break it down into fractions. And I found that the Word of God is like that as well. I need to grow. I need to progress. And when I look at lives that say, man, I just can't seem to get around the bases Maybe you need to go back to home plate and see what you're doing wrong. See why you can't get there. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And, and, and I, when, when I go through the Word of God and when I'm growing and when I want to learn and when I try to tell other people, there was an old preacher that was on the radio when I gave my life to the Lord way out in West Texas, right out in the desert. That's the Chihuahuan Desert in West Texas. Did y'all know that? We had surfboards that were built for sand, not for water. Sand dunes. There was one radio station I could get, and there was a guy that came on the radio station. I was traveling. I'd go to these different rigs and stuff. His name was R.W. Shambach. Yeah. Woo! Come on now, some of you. Yeah, you're all my people, man. 
I wanted to be just like R.W. Shambach. He would end his radio program every day. If you don't have any trouble in your life, all you need is faith in God. Because you walk in faith, the devil's coming for you. Okay, that's kind of where I got. But, you know, it's one thing to tell somebody, well, all you need is faith. You're, you, the way I would approach it, i say, okay, that sounds good. If you tell me how to do that, then i do it. How do I walk in faith? How do I progress? How do I hit the ball? How do I step up to the plate? How am I ever going to get past the goal line? Y'all, y'all see what I'm saying? But see, the Lord gives us, he not only gives us those challenges, but he gives us a way to those challenges to succeed. You should be challenged tonight, no matter where you are and what level you are spiritually, you should always be challenged to go higher. I mean, some of you, there's people in our churches that have only been walking with the Lord a very short time, just been born again a short time. Others have been here decades, but no matter if you've been walking with the Lord for decades, you should still be challenged to go higher. What is it that you're, you're, what's your goal with the Lord this year? I mean, you've learned so much, you've done so much. Are you progressing? What, What is the Lord doing with you this coming year? We should all be challenged in that. And so here we are, born again. And listen, I I think when these adjustments come, you know, one of the easiest ways to adjustment is if we make it ourselves. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I don't like the Lord to jerk the slack out of me. (laughs) I surely didn't like my mama jerking the slack out of me. She was true to her word sometimes when she said she'd slap me into tomorrow. I thought she could do it, okay? Good old farm girl that she was, that oaky farm girl. She's, She's stout. (laughs) <laughs> now, some of you, the, the, you know, the wonderful thing about being part of this church and a church like this, if you've been other places, is for our young people who are being raised in church. They're coming up. They don't have as many problems as some of you and I have had because we didn't know the Lord early on. And, and you know, when you first get born again, just everything needs some adjustment, right? Everything needs some adjustment. But that's okay. The Lord's into the adjusting business, right? And let's go to 2 Peter, the first chapter. 2 Peter, the first chapter. I'm going to lay some groundwork tonight and take you through some of these practical steps as we go the next couple of weeks after tonight. But in 2 Peter, the the first chapter, look with me in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Isn't it wonderful to know that we can grow in grace and grow in peace? That's awesome. He said, "...be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world." Through lust. Now, in this passage of Scripture, the Lord brings out the, thing, the fact that we have been given everything we need to, be, to grow in grace and peace. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us. Amen. Provided. Now, I don't, I don't know. Some of you, <clears throat> you might have ordered things and had to put some stuff together for Christmas this year. I've kind of outgrown that stage, praise God. My kids can put the bikes together for their kids, you know. 
<clears throat> but I still have a wife that buys stuff that I had to put together. Sometimes it might be tables, end tables for the living room. It might be, set. but there's one thing that I really appreciate that when I, we purchase this item, in that item comes all the things it takes to put it together. Even these little cheap, worthless screwdrivers. <laughs> Maybe it'll get me through this one application. You know, the Allen wrenches. And then it has all that it takes to put that together. That's a good thing. And it also has this instruction manual. That praise God, I've gotten to where I've learned, go read the instruction manual first. Then I, well, I don't have to take it all back apart. And then put it all back together, you know? Now listen, the scripture we've just read, grace and peace have multiplied unto you. Notice how it comes. Grace and peace, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice how it comes. It says, through, excuse me, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That is a key revelation. That is a key revelation. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been provided, but it comes to you through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and Father God. Amen. It can, it's yours. You may not know that it's yours. You don't know who you are. You don't know what's happened to you, truly. You just know it felt good when you went to the altar and Ask Jesus into your heart. But boy, so many of us have no idea what really took place and what changed in the kingdom and in the spirit realm when we gave our life to Jesus. Exciting things. You know, these are precious keys to growing in the growing process. And, and you know, it's important that you discover and find out what happened to you. It's important that you discover and find out what happened to you when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. It's important that you find out and discover what use it is that all of a sudden you started praying in tongues. <laughs> What's that for? So many people, though, even in the church world, as in our society today, our society is being challenged terribly, dramatically, what all, however you want to describe it. Our society is being bombarded with evil, lawlessness, immorality, and there are too many people that just put their head in the sand and think, well, I'll just, I'll just let it pass. It'll take care of itself. I'll ignore it. Y'all, have y'all seen that? Okay, y'all shake your head and act like it's not you, okay? It's, yeah, yeah! People ignoring what's going on. Ignorance is not bliss. It's not euphoric. When we walk away and just don't do something with what God has given us, it's not just going to fix itself because you have an adversary. You have an enemy that wants to take you down. Thank you. Amen. And in our society, oh, my word. That, that one's full to the rim. Sorry about that, worship team. Sorry. I'm so full of stories. I got a story for that one, too, but I better not. I don't have the time. Where was I? You know, it's your, your Christian life. I mean, it, you've got to not be playing just not to win, you, uh, to, to lose. You've got to play to win. You can't just float through life and expect to grow in the kingdom. 
and walk in the kingdom and the kingdom blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ignorance is not bliss. We need to grow in who we are. Not everything's just going to take care of itself. I want to play to win. I want to play to win. Second Peter, the first chapter. Look at verse 10. I mean, I, I want to succeed and I want to win, don't y'all? Amen. Amen. I want to be able to pray in school. Amen. I want to be able to preach the gospel in the pulpit without being threatened to be thrown into jail. Or have our 501c3 taken away, you know, not to be controlled by the world. Amen. Look at 2 Peter, the first chapter, verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, one thing about diligence. It's, it's much easier to give diligence to something if you see the outcome. The one thing about this passage of Scripture that is so exciting, he said, if these things be in you and abound, they, they'll, well, that's the next Scripture. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Wow. That's exciting. Now, I've seen people who, you know, they... they they argue with calling and election. He said, you know, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Listen, we have all been called to salvation. God is calling us. He's drawing us. He's drawing us. And His Word, you know, your election, He's calling you to live successfully, to be more than conquerors, but new, new cre creations in Christ Jesus. That's what the Lord speaks over the world today and about the church, he chose, whoop, he chose, I'm just falling apart over here. <laughs> he chose to let his manifold wisdom be expressed through the church. Who's the church? You. And he spoke the word over you that, that you can do all things through him who strengthens you. It's like he spoke you. Um, there were scriptures and, and I, I don't want to drag it down, but even Paul said, you, your life is our epistle written to men. It's like God spoke his word. Everyone who would call on the name of the Lord would be saved and would be more than just saved. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're, you're born again. You're more than a conqueror. You're blessed going out and blessed coming in. It's like God's Word. When God's Word said His Word goes forth, it'll not return unto Him void. You are like God's Word going forth, and He expects you to come back to Him fruitful, yeah. not void. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, your election needs to be sure. God has chosen you to be more than what you are right now. Why, why would you just get enough word to be a good person? Follow me now. Why would you just say, okay, I'm just going to be, I'll just take this much. Why don't you be more than a conqueror? Why don't you be who God calls you to be? Are you with me? And God says, be diligent to make your, your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. 
I love the never falling part, don't you? And listen, you just can't get around that. You, you just can't get around that not falling part. You need to, you need to answer to that. Are you following me? How, how do I? <laughs> you need to answer to what he's saying there. When the Lord says, if you, sitting here tonight, would do certain things that he lays out in the Word, you will never fall. You've got to account for that. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to handle that? What, what am I going to do with that with my life? And listen, it's not talking about losing your salvation or falling from grace. It's talking about steadfastness. It's talking about stability. There's another scripture Peter brought out in chapter 3, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Same word in the Greek, that word fall. You shall never fall. Be careful, you don't want to fall from your steadfastness. The word fall there means to drop away, to fail, to take none effect, to be driven off course. Maybe that could spark our thinking more. If you can do these things that God lays out, practical application, you can walk in these things, you'll never be driven off course. Wouldn't that be good? I don't know if you've been here, but I've been here. I've been backslidden of heart at one point. I was off course. I let the winds of adversity drive me off course. I had to get back on course. Recalibrate. Amen? So I, I believe that this passage of Scripture that we're going to be studying for the next couple of weeks, it's referencing going home, but it's also talking about living here. And I'm really concerned about living here <laughs> right now. I get to heaven, I'm going to enjoy heaven. And sometimes it beckons me. But I want to live well here, don't you? Amen. Um, let me take you down a train of thought. Our salvation, when you talk about our salvation, our salvation is secured in heaven by the very power of God, not by our works. 1 Peter 1, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has, has begotten us again unto a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. That's glorious. And that fades, fades not away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Oh man, ready to be revealed in the last time. Your life, your inheritance, your salvation is guarded and kept by the very power of God, not by what you do and you don't do. Because if it were that, we'd be in a hump, big bunch of trouble. Because <laughs> how many of you didn't do right since you gave your life to Jesus? Every hand in the house I knew went up right then. You didn't? Yeah, okay, come on, be honest. How many of you goofed up, messed up, even sinned? But your inheritance was guarded by the very power of God, not by your works. Let's go to Acts the 15th chapter, and I'll show you an example. Listen, Peter, I, I really enjoy Peter because he was a bottom line type of person. And don't you like bottom line type of people? Amen. Okay, some of you don't like them. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to feel like I'm walking around on eggshells. I want to know what you're thinking. 
how you feel. Amen? Peter in Acts the 15th chapter. Now this was after the house of Cornelius, the Gentiles, had received Jesus, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and blew the minds of the, the Jews that were saved. <laughs> they got the Holy Ghost just like we did. Who were we to argue with God? Okay, now look over here in chapter 15. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Now, now get this picture. These were guys that were believers, but they were staying with the Pharisaical mindset. They were still locked into legalism. You see any of those folks today? Come on. I'm not pointing any fingers or calling any names. But how many times sometimes we fall into that, that groove? And, and they were believers, but they still were connected to legalism and, and with judgmental attitudes. Okay? Even in their pursuit to think they're doing right and trying to find God. Okay? That, that what they were saying was that it was needful to circumcise them, the believing Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, uh, can you believe this? So if they were growing, we can be growing too, right? We don't always get it right. We don't always know everything. We have to walk through some stuff. Let me pause and throw something in here, okay? I, I, I'm chasing another rabbit. Paul, and keep your finger right there. I got my finger right there. I know where I left off. <laughs> Paul, which I really appreciated looking at Paul's life. Paul was one of the most amazing men that we could follow. The revelation that he has brought, it's just astounding what the church has benefited from because of Paul. But remember in Philemon that Onesimus, he was a slave... He escaped, stole some stuff, and left. And then he ran into Paul, got saved, became a brother in the kingdom, a great servant to Paul. And Paul sends him back and asks Philemon to receive him back as a brother. You know, And he also said, listen, if he owes you something, I'll pay it. But Paul said this, and it's from the King James. He said, perhaps it had to happen this way so that you receive him as a brother. That one word changed some thinking to me. Paul said, perhaps. That meant he's walking this out too, just like you and me. He doesn't have all the answers unless the Holy Spirit shows him. Woo Are y'all following this? Yes. Amen. So he said, Peter rose up and said to them, after they got to arguing and nearly having a knockdown drag out, said, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? What was that yoke? Legalism. The law of Moses. Other translations said it was the law of Moses. According to the law of Moses, they need to follow that and be circumcised. And he said, uh, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So what Peter was saying to them was that they're not saved by works, but by grace. You're not saved by works. 
You're saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, the works don't define us, nor do they impress God. But, now listen to this, okay? I may throw another wrench and chase another rabbit in just a moment. We're not saved by works, but we've got to realize that our work in some way impacts other lives. Okay. So you got to have a, a balanced mind and logic and toward thinking toward the Word of God, right? The Bible says we are not saved by works, lest a man should boast. Right? But there is one work, one work that you must do to get to heaven. Confess the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in your heart, but you've got to open your mouth and confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the salvation has been bought and paid for. becomes That redemption becomes manifested into your life. If there's any kind of work, all it is is you open your mouth and confess the Lord Jesus. Listen, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you may be here tonight and say, I've been in church all my life, but I've never vocally asked Jesus to come into my heart. Whoop. The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. But that didn't do them good enough. Believing alone is not enough. You've got to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? I don't know why I took that side trip, but it may not plug into the rest of it. But listen, we're not saved by works. But our works do something. They accomplish something. So you can't sit back and stick your head in the sand and figure everything's going to be all right. You've got to start to grow in the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> okay. I got all these 15 pages of notes. I'm just skipping over this because I'm running out of time. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it did say that some will be ushered into abundance in the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means some are just going to make it in by the skin of their teeth. I don't want to just make it by the skin of my teeth. By the time I'm gone, I might not have any teeth left. So I want to make sure. <laughs> I plan on living a while, okay? But it says, if you do these things, you shall never fall. Look at Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20. Now unto him that is able, that's talking about God, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. See, Paul's praying for believers. He said, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. L listen, that's referencing here and now, not heaven. Here and now, not a sweet by and by. He said, according to the power that works on the inside of us. It's reverencing now. And what I want us to see is that God has made a way for your Christian life to be a whole lot more productive than it has been in the past. No matter how successful it's been, God wants more for your life. He wants you to grow in His grace and grow in knowledge and grow in strength. And the bottom line is that God's Word is true. That's where it all starts. And we can take definite steps toward experiencing the life of God. Now, these are, these are the steps. I'm, I'm about to wind this down, and we'll pick it up again next, next week. But there's definite steps we can take to walking in the kingdom and experiencing maturity and growth in our lives and never falling. And you know what the thing about it is, is that we need confidence that we're never going to stumble or fall, don't we? Don't you want to walk in confidence? And trust in the Lord that it's going to be all right. I'm never going to backslide. I'm never going to walk away. I'm never going to back out, back down, or back away. I'm going to walk with God. 
Because the things that he's establishing in my life, they make me that I will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which come his divine nature and promises in my life. Amen. Amen. First, second Peter, the first chapter. Amen. I don't know. I, I, I may be just talking to the choir tonight, as I used to say. All of y'all got this all figured out. But Peter was the one that said, when he brought this out, if, we, if I could take the time to take it there, he said, he said, listen, the Lord showed me that I'm going to be leaving before long. He said, I am, I'm going to endeavor to keep you reminded of the truth. of." He said, though you know it and are established in it, I'm going to remind you of it. Listen, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to walk it out. And Peter was going to make sure that we walked it out. And that's why he gave us these practical steps. Let's go through this because I'm starting to land this plane. Listen, we need this confidence. 2 Peter, the first chapter, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence. Now, you've been given diligence to make your calling and election sure. He said, beside all this, give diligence. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, giving all diligence, add to your faith. That's where you and I come in, we do the adding. You do the adding, not pastor, uh, any of the pastors, our pastors of, the, of this location or any other location. They don't do the adding. You do the adding. You've got to grow. You're accountable. <laughs> don't you just love me? <laughs> if you're messing up, it's your fault. <laughs> uh, I may not make it back next week, Pastor Austin. <laughs> Listen, your confession is not the thing that's going to make it happen. It's, it's not going to come in just like a, a bolt of lightning. You have to do something. Mama can't get you there. Daddy can't get you there. Uh, listen, let's go to the Amplified. I'm going to give you a key in understanding here. See, Pastor, uh, Pastor Terry fired me off on this last week when he was talking about the nature of God. Let me give you a key to understanding this passage of Scripture because some people just say, add to your faith, add to your virtue, add to knowledge, temperance. I could preach for hours, on the, an hour on each one of these eight steps. Here's the thing it says in the Amplified. This is what really, when I read Romans 8, 28, all things work to the good of those who call to God and love God and call according to His purpose. And I'm thinking, Lord, that don't look so good. Because you know I love you. <laughs> What kind of love is that? First time he messes with you, you mess up or you have problems. Well, God, where were you? How many people walked away? Anyway, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Okay. But God took me to this scripture. He took me to this passage. Now, let's go there. He, he listened to the Amplified. It brought it out more accurately to what he's saying. He said, for this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ, listen to this, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue and exercising virtue to develop knowledge and in exercising knowledge to develop temperance or self-control and on and on it goes. So see, you know, when, when you talk about adding it, you know, giving all diligence to these divine promises, he said, exercise faith 
to develop virtue. They are so connected as you exercise one, it develops the next level. Amen. You've got to do something with what you have right now to go to the next level. Amen. They're like building blocks. You have to exercise the level you are right now. Some of you may find yourself at different levels in this right now where these, all these steps go in there. But you need to continue to progress. And I'm going to show you how to do that in the next few weeks. Next couple of weeks, sorry. So in order to progress, you must do something with what you have right now. Now listen, I'll just give you one example and then I'll close because some of you are looking like, oh my word, really? You just left me hanging. <laughs> this is the, one of the best examples that show you how you exercise one, it develops the next. And I'm going to go to that because it starts with faith. Faith is the common denominator. Nothing begins until it begins right there. And I'll show you how to step from that to virtue. But the third and fourth steps was knowledge and, and temperance, self-control. Okay? And the, the Lord gave me a great revelation about how I'm exercising one develops the next. It says if you exercise knowledge, it develops self-control. When I was a young boy, I lived with my sister. I loved, of course, I told you I love sports, I love football. And um, I wasn't very big. I, I, was a, I, was a, I was really small. They didn't, they didn't let me play my freshman year because they said, you'll get hurt, you'll get broke, you can't play. It was a stinking B school. <laughs> I mean, I went on to play with 4A, but, okay, but I had a passion to play. Yeah, I think I weighed 85 pounds in my freshman year. Yeah. yeah, that's what they thought. No, you, we don't even have a helmet small enough to fit your head, boy. Uh, but I wanted to play so badly. And, and so uh, my, the end of my freshman year, I joined the track team. And I ran six miles before school every day and nine or ten miles after school every day. And I did that through the, the, the spring and through the summer. I developed my lungs and I I began to put on muscle, and I went to 120 pounds. And so my sophomore year, I played football. They let me play. And I became a starter on the varsity squad. And part of that was because I lived with my brother-in-law and my sister. My, fa- my parents my family had moved away. They let me stay there and live with them. And my brother-in-law played college ball as well. He played some college football. And he was big and strong. He was, you know, and we, we, he'd wrestle me every day. I mean, I never saw daylight when we wrestled. He, I'm never on top. Are you kidding me? The guy's 200-something pounds. I never, but boy, did he water me and made me meaner than a junkyard dog. But I remember one, he would have killed me one time if I hadn't been my sister. I was turning blue. He said, you got to let him go. He's dying. <laughs> he had hands, huge hands, like 16-pound hammers. You know, I mean, he was just a big, big guy. And um, I'll, I'll cut that story short because I did say I was going to quit. And you've got you to go get your kids. But <laughs> I, he, when he would tell me, I knew what he could do to me. Walked me up like a rag. I knew what he could do. And, and so I remember one time at the dinner table, we got into this one thing where you can take this your back fist. Your back fist can deliver a lot of pain as well. And take your back fist and there's a, there's a nerve center. It's like a nerve center right in your shoulders right here. And... and uh, um, anyway, you take your back fist and you, bam, you hit that right there. It hurts like a big dog and your arm can go numb, especially with a 16-pound hammer hitting you there, you know. <laughs> and I knew, you know, he could just wad me up like a rag. So one time at the dinner table, one night at the dinner table, he just reached over and he went, 
bam, hit me. Man, my arm went dead. My, I mean, as far as the, from here down, but it hurt like a big dog. And I bowed up, man, like I'm, you know. He said, boy, don't you get mad at me. I'll whoop your honey. And he used more colorful language back then. That was pre-Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I whoop you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, I knew he could. And that knowledge, all of a sudden, I was full of self-control. <laughs> My anger went right out the door. So I exercised knowledge, and it developed self-control or temperance, and it saved my life that day. So amen, amen. <laughs> <laughs>